If you're like me, you've probably spent a good amount of time lately watching the news. Images of war-torn cities are so sad and numerous that it's almost too much to take in. Buildings and homes destroyed, fear-stricken children with tears flowing down their cheeks, refugee families with all that they own loaded on their tired backs. The scene may be playing out in any one of many locations, Syria, Iraq, Gaza, Ukraine, South Sudan. Most recently, the world news is led with the story of the conflict between Gaza and Israel. As I see the photos of pain and destruction, I think of the Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem, an Anglican diocese with whom the Episcopal Church in the U.S. has a very strong partnership. Bishop Suel Duwani cares for 27 parishes, 30 priests, and 7,000 Anglicans across the diocese, a diocese which includes Palestine, Jordan, Israel, Lebanon, and Syria, with its center being in Jerusalem. From Christ School in Nazareth, to the Holy Land Institute for the Deaf in Jordan, to Princess Barma Center for Disabled Children in St. George's College in East Jerusalem, to an elderly home and community center in the West Bank. Through all these ministries, the Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem is committed to mutual respect and cooperation among the different faiths, to peace and reconciliation. It's the tradition in the Episcopal Church in the United States that every year the Good Friday offering collected in each one of our parishes be sent to the Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem to support its ministry. I think it's very fitting that the Good Friday offering be used for this war-torn area. For as Richard Rohr writes, the cross says that God can and must be seen in all things, but most especially in the seemingly sinful, broken, and tragic things. The place of the supposed worst becomes the place of the very best. The mystery of the cross teaches us to be prepared to be surprised about how and where God reveals God's heart. As I watch the images from the Middle East on the news, I think of Al-Ali Arab Hospital in the center of Gaza City as one place that God reveals God's heart. It's a hospital owned and operated by the Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem, located in one of the most densely populated regions in the world. In an average month, the Al-Ali Hospital records 3,500 outpatient visits, 300 surgeries, and 400 inpatients. Twice a week, its mobile health care unit goes into surrounding towns and villages, providing free medical care to the impoverished residents. As expected, the past month has seen the medical needs in Gaza skyrocket. In addition, as a result of the airstrikes, the hospital has sustained structural damage, including damage to the ventilation system in the operating rooms in the emergency department. There is a shortage of medical supplies, even the screws they need for orthopedic surgery. And there's a shortage of fuel for electric generators. Despite all of this, the hospital has maintained around-the-clock care for patients that come through its doors including food, community assistance, and psychological support for those who are traumatized. 
They do this regardless of faith or ability to pay. I suspect, though, that on many days it seems to the workers at Ali Hospital that what they are doing is just a drop in the bucket. They may even wonder at times if in the big picture what they're doing makes any real difference to the situation in Gaza. But then we come to today's Gospel reading. Jesus tells the crowd, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Maybe the mustard seed isn't the smallest seed, but it's small enough to seem insignificant until it grows into a tree, that is, a tree large enough to provide rest, shade, protection, and nurture to the birds that seek shelter in it. I like to think the tree or bush is also large enough for hot and tired and hungry people to find hospitality, shade, rest, and protection under its branches. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This small amount of yeast is absolutely invisible when mixed in with three measures or 50 pounds of flour. It takes time for the flour to rise, sometimes rising so slowly that at first the action of the yeast might be imperceptible. But once the flour has risen, it makes 100 to 150 loaves of bread. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The treasure is hidden underground. The pearl of great value is hidden within the shell of a clam or nestled among hundreds of other pearls in a market. But when the treasure and the pearl of great value are found, each one, even in its hiddenness and smallness, is worth changing your whole life for, upending your priorities completely, doing things maybe you never thought you'd do. Then Jesus said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God love the Gospel of Matthew never letting us off the hook with all the weeping and gnashing of teeth, and always keeping us looking forward to a time of revelation. Now, I don't know exactly what was in Jesus' mind when he spoke these words, or what was in the mind of the gospel writer when he wrote them down. But I don't think that the line between that which is evil and that which is righteous separates people into one category or the other separating them either into evil or to good. In 
Instead, most of us find ourselves capable of both evil and righteous actions. The line that separates the two doesn't run between individuals, but within each one of us. Part of the gospel is that we hope for the day when that which is hidden will be revealed. When that part within us that separates us from God and one another will be burned or swept away. When love, no matter how seemingly insignificant when compared to brute force, is revealed to be the most powerful and real thing of all. We hope for the day when it will be crystal clear that in the words of Paul, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We hope for that day. And yet when we look at the world around us, the amount of violence and suffering and hate and need can leave us feeling hopeless and helpless. Sometimes even the small things seem like an uphill climb. Can we really do anything that makes a difference? The small hidden things that we and others do, will they ever yield results that will see the light of day? Here in this place of apparent helplessness, Jesus' own life and today's gospel reading are like a healing balm for the soul. Jesus spent his relatively short lifetime in one small geographical area. He was hidden to many of the people in his day, known probably to just a tiny percentage of those inhabiting the earth in that time. He concerned himself with things that people didn't understand. And his life ended in a way that seemed to indicate failure. And yet his life brought life to the whole world. Jesus' life and the parables he told reveal that God is often at work in the world in ways that we can't even begin to perceive. In ways that we can't imagine will one day actually bear fruit. In fact, bear a harvest 30, 60, or 100 fold. As Warren Carter writes, Today's Gospel reading suggests to those who ask the age-old question of lament, How long, O oh God, how long? that the question is not rhetorical. What we find in today's Gospel is both a word of hope and a word of challenge. Hope that we can trust that God is at work in the world even when that action may be imperceptible to us. Challenge because God typically chooses to do such work in the world in and through and with us. So holding this hope and this challenge simultaneously, find the courage to figure out your own response to the world around us. Write your own parable with your life. The kingdom of heaven is like...